0: Hello, and welcome to our ninth episode of Word of Mouth, a podcast that's all about evangelization. This is our October episode, and I am privileged today to be with Mr. Stan Buncher, who was born on the exact same day that I was born in It's just 33 years before. So he was born in 1956. (laughs) I was born in 1989. We share a Halloween birthday, and it's great to be with you today, Mr. Buncher. How are you doing? Dandy. How about yourself? Good. Doing (laughs) great. Doing great. And so— as we get started today, I just want to remind our listeners about this wonderful Word of Mouth podcast, that if you don't want to miss episode of the Word of Mouth podcast or any other podcast that our Archdiocese of St. Louis produces, make sure to subscribe to this podcast, which you can do on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast app. Just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis— You can find us there. And once you subscribe, make sure to rate us and share us with your friends. We appreciate your support and for listening. And so back to Mr. Stan Buncher, whom I share a Halloween birthday with. I just want to talk a little bit about his background and just to gauge what's going on and what sort of things you like to do and where you grew up. And what's the, the basics of your story as we begin today? Oh, well, uh, as you say, I was born on Halloween (laughs) in
1: 1956, and I guess that's what happened to me, was being born on Halloween. But uh, (laughs) I was one of six children, Stephen Sue Buncher. We grew up in South St. Louis in St. Cecilia's Parish, so I was raised there in Baltimore Catechism, old-fashioned religion there. Went to St. Cecilia's for eight years, and then uh, went to St. Mary's High School for four years on South Grand. Learned the Marianist mission, played a little football there, got a football scholarship, played football at Southwest Missouri State. Met the love of my life there, Judy, and we're married now for 36 years. We have four adult children, four grandkids, and just found out we have another grandchild on the way. My son and his wife are now yeah. expecting a baby, so we're pretty excited about that. Awesome, awesome. And so, what do you do for work currently? I uh, actually I'm employed by Ameren Missouri. Don't hold that against me, <laughs> but it is. I work for the electric company, and I'm a uh, plant services supervisor at the Rush Island Power Plant. Awesome. Down in Festus.
0: So, awesome. Can you tell us a little bit too about your college career, maybe about football as well. Oh. I hear, we hear rumors about this legendary offensive lineman. Yeah. Is that you? I was. I, was. <laughs> I don't know if it was legendary <laughs> or not.
1: I did play there for four years on a scholarship, and I uh, enjoyed my time there. And I, I relate a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about, evangelizing mm-hmm. and on an offensive lineman. Mostly what an offensive lineman does is we block... And then the quarterback makes the pass, or the running back scores, or the wide receiver gets the touchdown, and they get all the glory, what we call ink. (laughs) their name in the paper, the picture in the paper and all that. And the only time you hear about the offensive lineman is when a quarterback gets sacked or he misses a snap or something like that. But basically what we do is we just block so that everybody else can get the score to touchdowns and get the glory.
0: Okay. So well, I, I like that analogy, and it'll come in later, like you said. That's really good. And Stan, just what sort of things are you interested in? What sort of hobbies do you have? What things do you like to do?
1: Oh, I, uh, I like to go fishing. I like to ride my bicycle. I know I don't look like it, but uh, <laughs> I still exercise some work out that, and then
0: just hang around with the grandkids and the kids and stuff like that. It's a, it's a good time. Awesome. Awesome. So about your faith journey, as we kind of journey into a little bit more of the depth of your spiritual life, uh, you said you were raised at St. Cecilia with the Baltimore Catechism. Can you talk a little bit about just kind of your faith journey so far through life as you kind of grew up and then transitioned to an encounter with the Lord and how you live your faith today a little bit?
1: Back in uh, grade school days when we were young, the Sisters of St. Joseph of Cronolite, God love them, they were great, great <laughs> ladies in the Baltimore Catechism. But back then, a lot of times, it just seemed like if you had something happen to you, if you fell down the steps or fell off your bicycle, it was because you had done something wrong and your uh, guardian angel was handing it to you, so to speak, <laughs> because you had done something wrong. That went on for about eight years, then I went to high school, St. Mary's High school. On a retreat there in high school, I went to a confession to a Marianist priest. I told him my sins and that, and I was getting ready for the slam dunk down you know and uh, he said oh you know god loves you a whole bunch And that was really when i started feeling that god loved me mm-hmm. and that he really wanted what was best for me then uh, i guess uh, went through college i kept going to church i was one of those guys when i went away to college i kept going to mass and that and i got into a prayer group down there and i uh, had a real exciting little priest father vince vote <laughs> he was just a blast we uh Met every Wednesday night, prayed some, and did some other things. And then uh, after I got out of college, like I said, I met my wife, then or Judy. We were dating, and I went on a tech retreat, a Teens Encounter Christ retreat. That's when Jesus actually got exciting to me, that people were just really excited about it. Since then, you know, like we've been married, and uh, Jesus kept being excited. We stayed involved in tech, and then our children, as they got older, they got involved in Life Teen and so my wife took over a bookstore down in Steubenville. If you've ever been on a Steubenville retreat in Springfield, Missouri, and went to the book gift shop, my wife runs that. Anyhow, it's just uh, you. now I'm pumped mm-hmm. about Jesus and stuff. And sure,
0: so. sure, and awesome. And you said also in our initial interview, you talked a little bit about how, how awesome Life Teen has been for your kids. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: I highly recommend that to any sure. teen, any parent of teens. My kids would go out, and I wouldn't worry about where they were at or who they were with because they were with – Life team Kids or kids from their youth group or whatever. It's just been a godsend, for lack of a better term. (laughs) It's just God looking out for us. And then we got involved with it. And I think that's a lot of evangelization, too, is actually not just sitting back letting somebody else handle the work. I think you have to get involved. Mm -hmm. So like I say, my wife ran the bookstore, and I go down there, and I direct traffic,
0: and we do all kinds of fun stuff. Awesome. And as you journeyed through your childhood and then went through high school and college and and kind of encountered the Lord a little bit more and grew in your faith journey, just as far as playing football and and being a leader, what sort of things did you consider doing for, for a profession when you were growing up? (laughs)
1: Well, there's a story behind that. I'm going to tell it. Everybody's heard it. But I thought I really was going to be an NFL football player. And uh, you can ask people. I have guys that I played with and guys that coached me will tell you uh, that the only reason I didn't make it in the NFL is because I wasn't any good. (laughs) Anyhow... I uh I had, I don't know I had thought about priesthood a little bit mm-hmm. myself until I met my wife that kind of blew that and then uh, I I don't know I've always been into sporting goods or something but mm-hmm. as things would have it I majored in criminology and juvenile delinquency and it was more of a uh, parole officer type degree and I made I minored in religious studies mm-hmm. and then when I got out of college nobody was hiring so I went to work in a lumberyard for 11 years which mm-hmm. was just who would have thought that? And then the lumber yard closed and I got blessed and I got the job at, with at the time Union Electric, now Ameren. I guess my career goal now is just to support the family and mm-hmm. you do what you have to do. Awesome. But it's, it's not been bad. It's been pretty good.
0: Perfect. And that leads us perfectly into the question I'm going to ask you. It's about mission, vocation, and purpose. And so talk about those three different things, deep questions about mission, vocation, and purpose in life. And just if you could share some reflections on that and just like you did, you just did a little bit, but in just a little bit of a deeper way about your mission and vocation and purpose in life. What do you feel called to do or your dreams? Well, I think we're all
1: called to be saints. I mentioned that before, and I think we're called to make saints. That's part of our calling. When I'm at work, it is a very secular workplace. It is a power plant, so we are not around the general public at all. And there are some guys that are a bit rough to say the least. As far as the mission goes, I don't try to stuff my faith down anybody's throat at all, but I do have a crucifix hanging by my desk in my office. I am a supervisor and I have direct reports. So when they come in there, they can see that it's prominently displayed. I have pictures of my family up. They're prominently displayed. We'll be having conversations in that. I'll just tell them, get it out of the gutter. You know, I've had guys say, oh gosh, we can't tell that one in front of Stan, which is fine. It's all part of just trying to be good. And St. Francis had a saying one time, preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. So I just try to be a good guy, try to be happy, and think there's some guys that sometimes wonder what I, what I got or mm-hmm.
0: how come I'm happy or why. <laughs> sure. And I liked your analogy earlier that you mentioned about being an offensive lineman and just what that means kind of as far as now you look at your mission and vocation in life as – that person who protects, the person who guards, the person who sets up other people for success. Like you talked about how are the receivers and the running backs, and sometimes the quarterback also scores touchdowns, but it's because of that work in the trenches that's also being done and kind of propelling others for their success and such. And so I think that's awesome, and we'll get into that a little bit in the catechesis today with a story of St. Joseph and just this wonderful reflection by a priest on St. Joseph's model uh, for manhood, for fatherhood, and just how he is the representation of – guardian in our life and a protector so that's awesome anything else about mission vocation and purpose well like when you bring the offensive lineman into it that's part of it i kind of
1: sit in the background in the family And this is more family. It's like, how can I support you? I know my son want to learn how to play guitar, and I I used to play a little bit. But he got my good one out from under the bed and asked if he could use it. And I said, sure. And then uh, he and the band were practicing in the basement, and it just was the same noise over and over and over and over again. But he was Mm -hmm. playing religious music. So the way you block is you're like, okay, use the basement, and I'll just shut up and stay out of your way. (laughs) And uh, Anyway, with my wife going, oh, gosh, they asked me to do this bookstore. It's like, well, sure, go ahead, do that. And she does a lot of her stuff, and all I – Basically, I'm bringing home the paycheck, making sure everybody's covered, got what they need. If they need help moving things, just got done cooking hot dogs for Luke 18 with the Knights of Columbus. You know, Mm -hmm. that's all part of keeping everybody protected or blocking for them, so to speak. Sure.
0: Perfect. And that answer also kind of answers the evangelization question that I normally ask our guests after that, just what is evangelization in your opinion? You've kind of shown it to us. It means supporting others on their journey. It means preaching the gospel through words and actions. You mentioned about also, kind of setting a good example in your workplace and just kind of setting the tone for what sort of discussions take place in that workplace and just being a humble servant of God, and that's that's great. And just a good reminder for us to continue to focus on just the little actions we can take every day, no matter where we are, as far as setting a good witness about God's love and being true Christians in the sense. So awesome. We're just going to transition now into a little bit, like I mentioned, of the Catechesis of Fatherhood, and just I have a reflection in front of me that was given for a homily by, like Catholic Answers says, a pope, but not the pope. And so it's Monsignor Charles Pope, and he's a wonderful priest. (laughs) So a pope, but not the pope. And so this is called St. Joseph, Model Husband and Father, and it's a reflection for the Feast of the Holy Family last year. And so he just talks a little bit. I'm paraphrasing his kind of opening remarks about he just talks about how we know so little of St. Joseph from the Scriptures, and he seems to have been the strong and silent type. We know those people in our lives who are the strong and silent type. Not a word of his is recorded in Scripture, but his act- actions show him to be a model for all men. I love this friend that I have from high school, sometimes would we'll just comment on random Facebook posts, and he'll always say, as, as Joseph would say in Scripture, and then dot, 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 nothing, because he didn't say anything in Scripture. And so he doesn't offer me any help or wisdom. He just throws that at me all the time. So so that's just interesting for us to ponder as we look at the catechesis today about Joseph, about being a man of few words, but certainly a powerful witness for us. So he's going to highlight, uh, Monsignor Pope is going to highlight four main things in this homily. And first is that we are called to be men who obey God and cling to our wives. And so, that just like Joseph did. And so Joseph was a man who obeyed God through the good times and the bad and clung to his wife. And so Joseph was betrothed to Mary, which means that they were actually married in reality. And once betrothed, the couple usually lived an additional year in the parents' household as they became more acquainted and prepared for their future life together. Now it was discovered that Mary was pregnant, as we all know, though not by Joseph. And so the law said that if a man discovered that a woman to whom he was betrothed was not a virgin— He should divorce her and not sully his home. But Joseph, as a follower of the law, was prepared to follow this requirement as well. However, he did not wish to expose Mary to the full force of the law, which permitted the stoning of such women. He remained quiet in his reason for the divorce like he planned, and Mary would escape this stoning. To fail to divorce Mary in this case for Joseph would expose him to cultural ramifications. To ignore this fact that Mary was pregnant might have harmed not only his standing, but also the community and that of his family of origin. So this is really important for us to think about the situation that Joseph was placed in here. So we know that Joseph later, thank God, is told in a dream not to fear and that Mary has committed no sin in this strange instance. And Matthew's Gospel records, when Joseph awoke... From the dream, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary into his home as his wife. And that's Matthew one twenty four. And so Joseph, through this story, is told to cling to his wife. He might suffer for it, but he as a man obeys God rather than men. And it takes a very strong man to do this, especially when we consider the culture in which Joseph lived, as I mentioned, and in a small town, no less. So Joseph models strong manhood and has something to say to the men of our day. In the current wedding vows... In the marriage, right, a man agrees to cling to his wife for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and health. So this is what a man is to do in marriage. Our culture often pressures men to bail out when there is trouble in a relationship. But Joseph shows us the way by obeying God over the pressures of a prevailing culture, even if he will personally suffer for it. So that's the first point for us to think about Joseph as he clings to his wife. The second thing that Monsignor Pope points out about St. Joseph is that he is a man whose vocation is more important than his career. And so it's interesting that we distinguish those terms today in the society that we live in, because oftentimes we're very much defined by the career that we have and the work that we do. And so it's important for us to remember that Joseph is warned by the angel in the dream to get up, to take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So that's another dream that St. Joseph experienced in Matthew 2, verse 13. So back in Nazareth, Joseph may have been losing business for his work, his career perhaps, as a carpenter. He had business prospects, he had business partners and contacts, and so fleeing to a distant land as the angel had commanded might mean that others would take his business. But Joseph was a father and a husband before he was a businessman. His child was threatened, and his first obligation was to Jesus and Mary, and not his career. His vocation outweighed this career. In a culture like ours, where too many parents make their careers and livelihoods paramount, and their children secondary, and their children are placed in daycare, Joseph displays a different priority as a parent. So it's true that many parents today feel that they have no choice but to work. But it's also true that many demand a lifestyle that requires a lot of extra income. Perhaps a smaller house or less amenities would make things more favorable for the family and children and parents. And so Joseph points the way for parents in this second way, that vocation has priority over career. So Joseph shows that a man is a husband and father first before he is a businessman. The third characteristic that Joseph shows us is that a man is called to protect his family. So Joseph models a protective instinct that certain men lack today. So our children, like Jesus was, are exposed to many dangers. Our American scene does not feature a lot of physical dangers, but moral dangers surely abound. Fathers, it's important for us to ask questions like, what are our children watching on TV? What are our internet habits? Who are our children's friends? What do your children think about important moral issues in the culture today? Are you preparing them to face the moral challenges and temptations of life? Are you teaching them the faith along with your wife? Are you taking an active role in raising your children? So a man protects his children from harm, whether that's physical, moral, or spiritual. St. Joseph shows us the way there. And Stan mentioned earlier in his story just about exposing his kids to good influences, like a good youth group or a life teen environment where the friends are nourishing that faith, and they're taking an active role in nourishing that faith as well. And so finally, the fourth characteristic that St. Joseph shows us is that men are called to be men of work. And so the scriptures speak of Joseph as a carpenter. He was probably a builder or craftsman as well who worked with wood and stone. It was through this work that Joseph supported his family. It is the call of all men to work diligently to provide for their family, whether a biological family or spiritual family. Joseph models this essential aspect of manhood for us, and so St. Paul felt it necessary to rebuke some of the men of his own day for their idleness, and so he writes in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching that you receive from us. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. So that's a very blunt, uh, simple statement for us to think about how much we work and how much we actually eat, and and do we earn uh, what we eat. And so, Joseph, overall, with those four characteristics, is just a great model for us all as men and a very challenging example for us. Nothing he ever said was recorded, but his life speaks eloquently enough for us. He's referred to as the guardian and the patron of the universal church. He has these titles for he was guardian, protector, and patron of the church in the earliest stage when the church was just Jesus, Mary, and himself, that domestic family, that domestic home, the domestic church. But since the church is also now the mystical body of Christ, in protecting and providing for Jesus, Joseph was doing that for us, for Jesus and all of us, and showing us that we are Christ as members of his body. Men especially do well to imitate St. Joseph today, and all of us are called to imitate his humble and loving example and to invoke his patronage for us in all our endeavors as husbands, fathers, and providers. St. Joseph, pray for us. And so in the catechesis today, we heard a lot about St. Joseph, about how he models manhood and fatherhood for us and challenges us to be better, and continues to remind us what we are truly called to do as Christian men. And so as we wrap up today, and reflecting on Stan's journey of faith and the insights that he provided with the analogies and such and his own background in faith life, We just close with some practical advice that he has to offer as far as continuing to evangelize in secular environments, especially in the workplaces that we have or just being on the streets of St. Louis. And so, Stan, what sort of advice do you have to offer our listeners as we conclude our session today about evangelizing?
1: You talked about St. Joseph very eloquently there, but St. Joseph, I always considered him to be an offensive lineman, too, (laughs) because he's just huge— in the Bible, but doesn't hear a word, and sometimes when you look at it, we're called to be modeled after St. Joseph. Well, St. Joseph went to Egypt. What was Egypt? What was in Egypt? Where was he headed? He didn't know. You have to trust. You have to have faith that you're being sent in the right direction. Go back to Egypt and be a carpenter. Work. You know, your job is to back these people up, and Jesus and Mary, because they deserve it, got all the ink, but Joseph was huge. So I think, as men, we can't evangelize without speaking a bunch without really, I don't know how to say put in charge, being in charge, whatever, but we can be in the background. We can we can block. We can protect. We can support. We can give everybody the tools, everything that they need. And a lot of times advice, I'm sure St. Joseph wasn't completely silent. I'm sure he had a speaking <laughs> part in there somewhere, but don't, it's none of it's recorded. But yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of advice. And how hard would it be to be the father of Jesus Christ, who is God and man? That would be very difficult as well. But uh, he did it just gloriously, thank God. You mm-hmm. know, he accepted everything that was, uh, that was thrown at him. The advice that I have is just just be that patient, kind person, the giver. You know, that my kids joke that dad's the giver all the time, you know, when they say, what do you want for your birthday Christmas or something like that? I always say, I want everybody to love each other and be each other's best friends. That's just, that's mm-hmm. it. I don't need anything. Don't buy me anything. Mm-hmm. Just love each other. That's enough of a gift for me. Set the example, love. Mm-hmm. We're called to love as Christ loves us. And how does he love
0: us? You know, so that's how we're called. Awesome. Thank you for your final reflections. We'll just bring up a couple of things that you said earlier too, just to remind the listeners. But I think Romans 12 too is an awesome passage for us to just pray with constantly, daily perhaps. Just, uh, you mentioned earlier, just not stooping or conforming to the culture that you're surrounded with and just kind of holding yourself to a higher standard and encouraging those people through your quiet example of love and just showing them that. There is a beauty in our lives that we're called to more, and that we don't need to condescend to other people, and that we can continue to hold ourselves to the the standard of Saint Joseph, continue to strive for holiness and perfection in our day to day lives. and And so Romans twelve two just talks about not conforming to the culture and being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, so that's something that's really great. You talked about uh, holding your ground and being honest in conversations, and also I think that kind of if we take that to the next level, it can be a- applied to just not having fear of being uh, that person who offers fraternal correction at times when it's the proper time and place to do it and to constantly hold people to a higher standard.
1: But also, don't get discouraged with yourself because it's all the time at work I find myself laughing at the joke Mm -hmm. or maybe participating in a conversation I shouldn't be participating, that you have to catch yourself. Mm -hmm. So you're going to fall sometimes, but Vince Lombardi, football coach Mm -hmm. again, here we go. (laughs) Anybody can fall down, but the guy that keeps getting up, is a man. So you're going to
0: fall, but keep getting up. Mm-hmm. Amen. And then another thing you brought up earlier too, just about embracing your family life, keeping pictures around and just loving your family, like you said, about desiring their happiness, desiring that they love one another. And that's awesome too. That's, that family witness is very powerful as well. And talking about the ones you love and showing gratitude for them. And then also, you had a great reflection in our initial interview that I want to close with about the never-wasting pain.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so if you want to talk just a little bit about that and that quote that inspired you about that. Okay. A little yeah. background on mm-hmm. this.
1: Back in October of 1998, October seems to be a big month. for us. <laughs> uh, October of 1988, I had a near-fatal car accident. And I broke a bunch of ribs, broke a shoulder, broke a hip. I had a bunch of internal injuries. I was in intensive care for a week. Finally got out of hospital, came home. All I could do was sit in my recliner chair, which is another one of my hobbies, is holding my reclining chair down. <laughs> I was sitting in the recliner and I could answer the phone. I couldn't do anything and everything just hurt. And an elderly nun called up looking for my wife. I said, Oh, I'll, just a second, sister. I'll get her. She goes, Mr. Buncher, how are you doing? I said, Oh my gosh, this really, really hurts. It really does. And she said, Don't waste that pain. Offer that pain up. Oh, my gosh. Unite that pain with the pain that Christ suffered on the cross and offer it up for something. What a gift you've been given. What a grace you've been given. And I thought, wow, this woman is mad. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, though, I did. I offered it up for my wife and my family. Mm -hmm. And what it did is it gave the pain purpose. It gave the pain value. And now some pain that you have that you just wonder, what did I do to deserve this? It might be a gift, and you offer that up. And I honestly think it really, really worked. We went to Florida this summer, the whole family, and what a blast we had. And it is. Everybody's everybody's best friend. Everybody loves each other. We just had a blast. And I think that maybe offering up that pain Mm -hmm. had something to do with that, you know. So any discomfort you got offered up or something. Christ was a lot more uncomfortable than we were.
0: Mm -hmm. Look what happened with his church. Mm -hmm. very true. Very true. Well, thank you so much, Stan, for your time today and your testimony. It's been Amazing for me to hear and to share with our listeners. So I'm excited uh, for this to be released soon. And I'm just going to close with just a, another reminder for our listeners: tune into this podcast. It'll it'll air twice on Covenant Network like normal, but it'll also uh, be available as the podcast. Remember the title "Word of Mouth," produced by the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And if you just subscribe uh, to this podcast, you can get all the updates each month. You can sc- subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast app, and just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis to find us. And once you subscribe, make sure to share us, rate us, and then share us with other people that you find. And just let us know what you think. And just, we love to continue to spread the good news out to the people of the Archdiocese of St. Louis and continue to guide us in our journey of faith and our journey of evangelization. So may God bless all of you. And thank you so much, Stan, today. Thank and you. It was a privilege to be with you. And, and God bless you guys for yeah, the work you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. God bless you all. Bye.